Thanks for listening to the River Claremont podcast. We pray you are encouraged by today's message. For more information or to stay connected with what's happening at the river, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the River Claremont. So last week we did a message on elevate your vision. Just to remind everybody, keep in mind we serve a supernatural God. He's a God of suddenlies, amen? Who in here has ever had the Lord supernaturally intervene in a situation and it was awesome? Come on, wave your hands around. He's awesome. Unexpected bad news turns into such a joyous testimony of how the Lord was already there for you before you even had a need. He's so good. So today I want to kind of continue along those theme, this theme that's really in my spirit. We'll probably spend a few weeks just dealing with just faith, faith to believe, faith to act, faith to go. I would define faith as faith is the conviction and action required to prove that you believe God. So it's, it's, it's action in there, it's belief in there, it's conviction to act upon it. It's, it's, it's something that produces fruit. Who believes that if you live by faith, you'll have fruit to show you have faith? All right, John 15, verse 1 through 8, we're going to start. Jesus speaking, says, I am the true grapevine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. He prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they will produce even more. You've already been pruned and purified by the message that I have given you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. And those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. He who testifies, you feel that's pretty accurate. Before you knew the Lord, your life really wasn't even a life. You know, like it was you were walking around a dead man walking. So, but with Christ, supernatural things happen. Anyone who does remain in me is thrown away like a or, or, anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. You do not want to be that branch. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, say my words remain in you. Thank God for the word of God. You may ask anything you want and it will be granted. So if you remain in Christ and his word remains in you, you can ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my father. Say fruit. When you produce much fruit, you're true disciples. We're meant to produce something with the life that God has given to us. Who believes that? We all start in different places. We all start different education, different social class, different skin color, different everything. But as we come to God, God expects us to take what he has given us and produce fruit for him. Amen? So he begins to work on us. The pruning process. Who in here can testify you've gone through some pruning in your life. Pruning hurts. It's physically painful to the tree. If the tree could talk. It would say stop it. But if you cut yourself off from all the pruning process. You will cut yourself off from the fruit that you want, you're meant to produce. And Jesus said to judge things by the fruit. Which means you need to look back and be honest about what you have produced. Last week I talked about the Valentine's heart that I made for my mother in the 11 o'clock service. Do you remember it? I worked so hard on that thing. I thought it was the greatest heart that anybody produced in the class. Then when it was compared to others, I realized that one thing I do not have 
is artistic ability. Do not decide to grow up and be a, well, I guess actually in the realms of art today, you can get away with a lot. You know, I mean, you saw that guy that sold an invisible sculpture for $15,000. Yeah, true story. Somebody paid $15,000 for air. Imagine being the company called in to ship that. Whatever. Where would you like the sculpture? We put it over there. No, it doesn't look right. You, my friend, are crazy. But you had $15,000 laying around to buy something. So, anyways, it's just faith. I mean, that should encourage everybody out here. Even if you're a little crazy, you too can be blessed enough to spend $15,000 on air. Amen? So it says, judge everything by the fruit. You have to be honest and realize, what have I actually produced with my life? If you don't like what your life has wound up being like, you are the one responsible to make the proper changes to change the results of your life. It's already getting uncomfortable. <laughs> James, the book of James, one of my favorite books in the New Testament, says that we show our faith by our works. What we do and what we produce is the proof or evidence of the fact that we have faith in Jesus Christ. And so today I want to talk to you about living a successful life. You're meant to be successful. Amen. The Bible says in Psalm, verse 1 and 3, the, oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers. Anything you mock, anything you criticize, you'll never partake in. And so that's why I kind of make fun of Biden a lot because I actually have no desire to be the president of the United States. And on that note, just imagine how delightful it is to wake up every morning and find out, I'm the president? <laughs> <laughs> You're kidding me. Uh, live like President Biden. Be joyful every day. Says uh, <laughs> they don't join in with mockers, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit, save fruit. In each season, their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all that they do. Joshua 1, 7 and 8 says, be strong and very courageous. I always encourage people, um, it, strong and courageous is not stupid and cocky. There's a lot of people that act courageous, but really they're just full of themselves, and they will be leveled out. So you want to see success in the eyes of the Lord, be courageous and be strong in the might of the Lord. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so that you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all that you do. Amen. Growing and producing fruit requires pruning. Pruning hurts the tree, but it causes it to grow and mature. If you avoid criticism, correction, rebukes, or anything that you might actually fail at, you cut off from your own life the pruning and growth process. This basically means that you will find yourself in the same place a year from now or two or three. Things don't simply change just because. Things change because you make moves to, to move towards change. 
And as you are pruned or stretched, you learn consistency to apply what you've learned leads to constant higher levels of life and faith. Amen. When you first got saved, when I first got saved, I was, thought I would act in faith and I would put out, you know, I'm believing God for $100,000 for this. I remember in, in Bible college, I asked the Lord to help me pay for my tuition because I was scraping together dimes and everything like that. And I was asking people, hey, you know, pray about supporting me in Bible college and stuff like that. You know, not a single dollar ever came in to support me in Bible college. I basically just had to scrape together dimes, work as much as I could to pay for my tuition. But then one day, I heard of a person dropping out of Bible school. And I believed that this person had a call of God on their life. And I knew it was just for financial reasons that they were quitting, interpreting that because it was tough financially, it must not be the Lord. That is never an indication. Things can be tough financially. That does not ever indicate that it is not the Lord. You just have to push through that and breakthrough will come. Amen? Amen. And so I asked the Lord then. I was like, Father, I'm going to take a step of faith and I'm going to pay for this person's tuition. But I need help with this, so please help me. Do you know the moment I extended my faith to pay another person's tuition, two days later I got a phone call of a person, said they were praying, thought about me, and wanted to send this amount to me, which was the exact amount for this person's tuition. So I had it, I paid, and I was still scraping dimes together to pay my tuition, and I could walk in and pay their tuition in full. I remember the instructor at the school was like, why are you on a payment plan for yourself, but you can pay theirs? And you're like, so you take that up with the Lord, okay? <laughs> Apparently, he likes this person better than me. <laughs> Moral of the story is, though, it's like you think you're operating in faith, but nothing's working because you've not actually learned how to truly call things in and operate in faith. And a lot of Christians get perpetually stuck in this place where they're in faith but produce nothing. I would rather produce a lot and be considered small in faith because I work a plan and produce something for God, not just waiting around for a GoFundMe to kick off, a check to come in the mail. You know what I'm saying? Lord, when that check comes, then I'll go. I would rather go, and if the check came or didn't came, I still produce something for heaven. Are you with me? If I'm talking to you, shout amen this morning. So, some of what I say today will seem contradictory. In the, just before the, the ten or 9 o'clock service, 10 o'clock service. Just in case you didn't know this, we actually have three services here. We have the 9 o'clock where we begin with worship, end with the word. We have the 10 o'clock where we begin with the word, end with worship. We have the 11 o'clock where we begin again with worship and then end with the word. So you're welcome to come anytime. Apparently, people kind of show up wherever they want. I see some people at the start, you know, the 9 o'clock for worship, and then they come at the end of the 11 for the word. I'm like, what did you do? They're like, brunch. Okay, maybe we should install a revolving door just to really get it understood around here. Amen. You can come anytime. So much of what I say today, some of it might seem contradictory. And the reason is because it depends on where you're at and what's going on as you need a different lesson sometimes. Sometimes you need a poke in the butt to run again. And sometimes you need to be told, sit down and take a break. Sometimes you need to grab a revelation of grace. Sometimes you need to just stop sinning and playing games and live right. All right? And so when it comes to preaching, you really need the help of the Lord to ever accomplish anything properly because you've got one message to give to everybody. And so 
Listen with an open heart and with open ears this morning. Seven steps I have learned in my life to living a successful life. Success, first, before I get anywhere else, is determined by what burns in your heart and what you truly feel the Lord has called you to do. Are you with me on that? Success is not something that you look at another person to figure out what it is. Success for you is what is God placed on the inside of you? What dreams, what moves you, what burns in your heart to accomplish? Those are the things that you have got to be true to accomplishing in this world. Amen? So success is not always what the world tells you success is. But if you live a successful life in God, you will achieve or acquire much of what the world calls success. Because God is a rewarder of those that diligently seek Him. When I got saved, already I had more money because I wasn't smoking cigarettes, I wasn't snorting cocaine, and I wasn't getting drunk every day. Money piled up in my bank account. I would go through the weekend and still have money come Monday. It's a miracle. But it's just because the enemy will rob you and rob you and rob you and God will give and give and give and give. He is a good God. Do not let the devil or anybody else confuse your understanding of your heavenly father. Come on, somebody. He's good and all the time he's good. People are like get hung up. He blesses you to be a blessing. Yes, God increases you so you can do more for others. But as a father, I never give to my daughter thinking, I'm giving this to you so you can give it to someone else. I give it to you because I'm your father and I love you. You're awesome. You can give it to someone else. You can spend it on bubble gum. But whatever it is, I give it to you from a cheerful heart because I love you as your dad. Your heavenly father gives you things because he loves you. It's quiet in this Presbyterian church this morning. Sometimes... Whatever. <laughs> so, seven steps I've learned. Step number one, steward well what God gives you and set a mark. I've learned myself that if I don't have something that I'm applying my faith towards, I actually get miserable. I have to have something that I'm stretching myself, looking towards, believing, planning, strategizing, moving towards. Because if I don't have that thing, then in my mind, I'm like, what am I even doing? I'm a loser. I'm not accomplishing anything. I should just quit. I should just find some other career. All these thoughts bombard you because idle time is the devil's time. Go after something. You say, but what if I fail? Then you're going to have a really cool story to talk about. I shared in the 9 o'clock when we moved to Hawaii to start a hot dog cart business. Who in here has ever started a hot dog cart business? Exactly. I'm awesome, and you were afraid. You're out there doing real estate and surefire investments and stock trading. This guy's saying, sink it all in a hot dog, baby. Woo! Flipping hot. I didn't even know, what it, I didn't even know how to do it. Sitting out there flipping hot dogs, making chili on the side, sauteing onions. I ate more than I sold, but you know what? The moral of the story is, sometimes you just got to go. Because I might not have been a success. I might have barely got off of the island of Oahu, but at least I lived there. Mic drop, baby. I shook hands with famous people. I delivered sausages and delicious morsels to 
to weary travelers from all over the world that would have died, maybe, had I not been there with sustenance at the exact moment they came out of the waves of Waikiki, faint with hunger. What is that aroma? Oh my gosh, it's Hungry Ellie's hot dogs. Ah. I changed lives. I bankrupted the family. Everything that could go wrong went wrong. We barely got it by the skin of our teeth off the island. But you know what? I have never once thought of it in a negative way. I've always looked back at that failure and thought, I'm so glad I failed in hot dogs in Hawaii. Amen? And it brings you joy so it was worth it. Amen? Say, what if I fail? Then most likely learn to laugh at yourself. People that can't laugh at themselves will always be held captive to the opinions of other people. Learn to laugh at your own failures. Make fun of yourself as much as possible because it keeps you humble, plus it makes life a sheer delight. Amen? Steward well. Luke 14, 28. This is Jesus that said this. He said, don't begin until you count the cost. For who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there's enough money to finish it? Otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before running out of money, and then everyone would laugh at you. They would say, there's the person who started that building and couldn't afford to finish it. Are you thinking about the I-4? Yeah. Bro, every time you read that scripture in Fort Orlando, everybody's like, the I-4, eyesore. We got it before. You know what I'm saying? I actually think the building looks great. It just needs to get completed. May, May 2021. 2022. It's okay. Be the year that that building gets completed. Come on, Super Channel. Amen. Count the cost. Listen, a lot of people, like, I'm going to go after this. I'm going to do this for God. I'm going to run. I'm going to run my race. I'm going to go. I'm going to do it. And then they jump out, and what happens? It takes a lot longer than you thought it was going to take. Like, you wrote down how long it would take. You might as well just blow it up because sometimes it takes way longer than you ever thought it was going to take. So do you quit just because it takes a while? If it still burns in your heart, you have to stick it out. Christians have become professional quitters that blame it on God. They use prophetic words to excuse their laziness or their lack of conviction to see something through. I feel a shift in the wind. The Lord changed directions. I feel, no, he did not. You just quit because it was tough. Be honest. That honesty is more refreshing than the prophetic mumbo jumbo that comes out of your mouth. The Lord told me to do it three weeks later. The Lord just didn't, he wasn't really in it. Just admit, I miss God, bro. I miss it. Like, I shouldn't have done it. I, I spent a lot, learned an expensive lesson. But stop blaming the Lord and set the mark and go after something. You will find that sometimes it will be very easy. And then other times it will be like you get hit with so many things that come. And you're like, how can this many things hit me at one time? But either of those. If it's easy, rejoice that the Lord has made a way and it has been easy for you to accomplish it. If it's tough, rejoice that the Lord is with you and all things will work together for good for those that love God and are called according to His purpose. Amen. Also, set the mark, go after it, stick it out. 
You don't have to get caught up in this world that always adds on and adds on and adds on where then you wind up being broke and don't have enough to complete what you start. Figure out what really matters and go after that thing. We live in a society that is always teaching it. Well, there's words. It's a starter home, a nice intermediary home, a dream home, a lifetime home, a retirement home. My God, how many homes do you want to move in? Let me tell you right now, who has ever moved? Wave your hands at me in moving. Who in here has ever moved and thought, I love moving. Can I pack up a house every year? Three of you. Well, listen, when next time I move, I'm going to call you. You can come spend three weeks in my house. I'll go to a vacation. You pack it all up, baby. You go through everything. Find it all out. Organize it. When we pack, we get about a third of the way very organized. The next two-thirds is just like all these labeled boxes by the front door and the next 27 boxes. What's in this? Shake it, bro. Find out. I don't know. We got to move. You know what I'm saying? Why is, there, why is there children's underwear in with kitchen utensils? These things happen when you have kids, okay? I don't know. We're just hoping that the underwear were washed before they went in with the utensils. But just to be on the safe side, throw them all in the dishwasher in the new house. You don't have to spend everything you have. Hold, learn to hold on to something. Now, there is a season in your life that I can testify is a good season where the Lord will lead you into giving everything. He does this. It's biblical. He looked at the rich young ruler, said, give everything up. There are seasons that God will lead you in of massive, dramatic giving, where it is stripping from you the need of these things. Because the more that is stripped from you, the more you operate in faith and the freedom to go after something because you are not held captive by what the world tells you you need. Come on. So there's a holy place in that. I'm not saying that won't happen. God has led me in that. You give it all up. You trust the Lord when it's the Lord. But God does not keep you in a perpetual state of always having nothing. Do not interpret faith as having nothing and having to do something with nothing. Faith could have the ability to call in what is needed before you ever even step out. Faith can call things paid in full. Somebody shout amen. amen. Who believes the Lord can pay all debts in full? Amen. amen. Well, then operate in that place of faith. Set a mark. Believe it. Go after it. And then let the Lord breathe upon your faith and your strategy and your plans. The Bible says commit your plans to the Lord and you will succeed. Is that good? A lot of people, they get caught up in comparison with other people and then they stretch themselves to do something they weren't supposed to ever do. And then they find themselves overextended, broke, and not able to keep going consistently with what God gave them. Consistency matters. Just be consistent in what the Lord lays in front of you. I've noticed, like we caught in this as, us, as we were building the church. Everything we did, we started getting in this mindset that we have to do it better. We got to do it better. So you do one VBS, the next year it's got to be bigger and better. And you got to have explosions. If the kids can't walk slowly away from explosions, is it vacation Bible school? You know, is it this? We got to, this outreach has got to, we need more. And so everything we did just got bigger and bigger and big, until to the point where you don't want to do anything because you're like, it's too much. You can't always outperform yourself. Not everything you do in life is going to be bigger and multiplied and huger. Some things you just stay consistent in. 
Love your wife. Go out on a date weekly. And what man in here has ever accomplished that? You are awesome. Stop bragging. Stop bragging. I'm just joking. Look at them. Both their wives are smiling beside them too. My wife left the service. I mean, my God. Lesson learned, man. Felt that pruning right there. God. Sometimes it's simple things you're supposed to do, but you just push the simple off, looking for the extravagant, the big. It's got to be big. Then you waste time, energy, effort, and money on something you should have never done. Your goal is just be consistent. Set what you feel the Lord has called you to go after. Go after that thing and actually produce it because that will build greater faith in you. And it'll, get, it'll, it'll show those around you that you had faith to produce something from God, which always points people back to the Lord. Live like that. Make a plan, work the plan, and have the plan's results. Amen? Efficiency is awesome. Step number two on your road to success. Understand that you are unique. There has never, ever been another one of you. There will never, ever be another one of you. Someone can look similar to you, but they are not you. Come on, somebody. You're unique. God broke the mold when he made you. He's awesome that way. So learning to identify who you actually are, what God has placed in you, the talents, the giftings that God has given you, and not comparing yourself or wanting in an impure way what someone else has is the key to living a joyous life. Come on, somebody. We got people in here that they were they like uh, take badminton, okay? And you're like, well, how does that apply to anything? When I was growing up on the farm, we played badminton for hours. Does anybody in here even know what badminton is? Badminton or whatever. Awesome, yeah. So I dominated. I beat my siblings. I was the greatest badminton player the world had ever seen. <laughs> the stuff of legends. I went on the college to Oral Roberts University. I did the badminton classes, class at college. I dominated. Bro, I was like whooping everybody. So then they're like, why don't you go and join the amateur badminton team at Victory Church across the street? I went there. I have never ran more in my life than those guys. They stood in one place. And I'm like, I got one point. To their 21 points, and I was talking trash after I got that one point. Sometimes you gotta, you gotta build yourself up, you know what I'm saying? When you're looking really bad, talk trash. That's my way. No, that's actually not on the road to success at all. As we say in Tennessee, you don't have to win, you just have to make your competition feel like a loser. <laughs> that is not right. Do not ever do that. Unless it's just for survival. But I totally was not. At that moment, I knew. I am not the greatest badminton player that has ever existed. I have found my level. It is total amateur backyard level. At that least, I can have fun. Never will I have dream of the one day being on the badminton trade, trading card, which I don't think they actually have. But people get caught up in these dreams, these fantasies. Uh, they idolize someone, and this is great, and I'm going to do this. 
but you don't actually have the talent to do it. <laughs> and you can spend your whole life miserable trying to cut it or realize, this ain't for me, bro. I am actually never going to be an opera singer. Even though I sing always in the shower, it will never happen. Pavarotti and me will never share a stage together. Unless I hire him to do an outreach, and then I might, actual fact, write that down. <laughs> I felt that. Maybe that will happen. <laughs> when Saul was called to fight Goliath, or David was called to fight Goliath, Saul gave him armor. David put it on and realized, this does not fit me. This doesn't fit me. To put on someone else's armor will actually endanger your life from ever becoming what it was meant to become. Stop modeling after other people. You model after Christ. Be what he has made you to be. And then explore yourself. Stretch yourself from time to time to find out, are you good at something? If you're not, move on. It, it, or move you if you're great at something explore it and let the Lord show you the things that he's placed on the inside of you amen people live in a constant place of disadvantage disadvantage is not strategic it's miserable it makes miserable people when you're trying to do something you're not good at so find something you're good at and do it Isaiah 43 19 says God will do a new thing you are a new thing so be that new thing for this generation. Amen? You don't have to be like everybody else. Step number three that I've learned is learn to capture today. Too many people have dreams, visions. One day I'm going to do this business. One day I'm going to start this. One day I'm going to do that. And it's always one day, one day, one day. Will, will come. It will come. It will come. It will come. Start today to make it actually happen. Because dreams turn to nightmares if they aren't fulfilled. And they will happen very quickly where you will wake up 20 years later and have never done it. And then the tendency is to blame God, blame people, blame spouses, blame your loved ones of why you didn't do it. When re really, you just have to learn to capture today and go after something with faith to say, I'm going to put something in the ground and see what I can produce. Are you with me right now? Genesis 17 to, to on the, in the Word, the Isaiah, uh, Abraham had been told by the Lord to leave where you're living and go into a land that is foreign to you. And when he went there, the Lord said, as far as you see, I'm going to give this land unto you and I will make from you many nations. You will be the father of nations. I will give you a promised son. They did not have a son. Along the many years of waiting for this to manifest, which they weren't just sitting around doing nothing, they went to the foreign land. They prospered. They were successful, but they needed the miraculous son. They had an Ishmael. A lot of people produce an Ishmael. That's fine. Keep going until you get your Isaac. Amen. And so when the Lord finally showed up in Genesis 17, after many times and many directions, the Lord said, now is the time. This is the time that I'm going to give you the promised son. It will finally come. But the Lord said, but here's the condition. You and every male in your household have to circumcise yourself. Abram was 90 years old. Okay, I just, I'm not trying to be, get awkward here, but reason it out, men. At 90 years old, and people, you're going to have a breakthrough. Here's the requirement. Come again? Uh, like, literally? Like we're talking like proverbial, right? 
And it said, every male in your household. Do you know that if you read Genesis 17, this was a key that Abram figured out. It says that self-same day five times. So before he could reason out, a lot of people miss God because they are not quick enough to obey. So you let reason in, it will always talk you out of, hold up, no, scissors, meat, nah, it's not going to happen. I'll keep waiting on the promise. But that self-same day he did it, and he had the promise that God told him to do. Learn to capture today. What is held in a day? God can do in a day what man cannot do in a thousand years. All he needs is a person full of faith saying, God, your spirit's on the inside of me. Your word is my lamp. You are enough. What do you have for me to do today? I will put my hand to the plow and I will not look back, Father. If you learn to capture today, you will look back many years later and realize, man, God took you on a supernatural journey and made things happen for you you didn't even help happen. When the Lord spoke to me and said, you're going to preach from this pulpit in Tampa, I was not a preacher. I was not chosen. I was not this favored son of the house, whatever. And I thought, that'll never happen. But every day I did what God told me to do. And then I looked back and I had a divine moment when I realized just following God every single day is enough to make the wildest, craziest, supernatural dreams come to pass. Because Jesus himself said, do not worry about tomorrow. You focus on today. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Because if you are obedient to do what he tells you to do today, tomorrow will get sweeter. Tomorrow is the fruit or the harvest of the seed of today. What have you planted? Too many people sit back on their hind end saying they're in faith. This generation has grown so lazy. Where wait, they don't work anymore. Business owners can't get people to work. They can't get people to put their hand to anything. The government's willing to pay you more to stay at home and watch television than you can go and earn. I was at Publix the other day getting meat, and both the ladies cutting the meat were complaining, saying how people need to get out there and work. Everybody's asking for money, and I work my job. And she was in her 70s working in Publix full of joy, but saying, I'm tired of people not doing anything to help themselves. You have to learn to capture today. Capturing today and living a life of great vision. And I say this passionately because I have, since six years of pastoring, I've actually met a lot of people that come in here and they have these great dreams. And I watch them go from joyous about the dream to three, four years later, they're depressed, they're drifting from the Lord, and they actually fall away from the church. And it had nothing to do with the church. It had everything to do with this great dream got so big and they didn't know how to tackle it and they wouldn't take a step today towards it that it turned into a nightmare and they felt bitter. That's not what God has in store for your life. Yes, he gives you great dreams and great visions, but it's still, how do you eat an elephant? You call a lot of friends. No, one bite at a time, right? Vision doesn't mean you sacrifice today. It means you have to learn to capture today. Vision means you see in today the steps that are necessary to work towards the bigger picture. God said, don't worry about today. You just live for today and everything will take care of itself. But breakthrough... In a person's life, people look on and assume it happened instantly. But they weren't there for the years of faithfulness where you consistently put your hand to the plow that God told you to put your hand to. That's true breakthrough. It's where you're in a season of faithfulness 
God rewards you openly in such a way everybody can see it. If you're believing for that, say amen. amen. So part of that, the practical side of that capturing today, is you've got to realize when you look at a successful person, and I mean maybe in the world what the world would call successful, a person that is winning in life, they're, they're, they're succeeding, business is growing, or their career is taking off, their household is blessed. Everywhere you look, they're, they're great things happen for them. They have the same amount of time every day that you have. It's not like they have a 48-hour day, which I do wish that there was 48-hour days. I promise you. I'm, I'm that type of person. I'm like, 24 hours is not enough in a day. Because where am I going to sleep 12 hours? No, it's <laughs> Time is crazy. So you have to learn time management. Time management forces everything in your life to get more disciplined. And I think we said it last week. People blame everything on the devil. It's not always demonic. Sometimes it's a lack of discipline. In fact, the Bible is pretty clear that Jesus defeated every enemy of man. The devil is beneath your feet. And so the, the devil that is holding you back sometimes is the devil that is sleeping in the bed with you, and I don't mean your spouse. I mean you, you ugly thing. I just don't have time. And you look at your screen time on your phone, eight hours a day you looked at your cell phone. I just don't have enough time in the day. Delete those apps. Come on, get your head out of your app. And go after something, man. You can't see a lot up in that thing. you got to get out and see light sometimes. It matters. So learn to capture today. People look and say somebody's lucky or they're, you know, they got a breakthrough or whatever. They're not lucky. Luck is actually a fabrication that people created. There is no such thing as luck. Yes, I don't believe it. There is no such thing as luck. You have to just go after it. There is a thing. Sometimes things will go in your favor. You can call it luck. I call it the favor of God. Amen. Amen. But I can promise you this. You'll get a lot further in life if you decide I'm responsible to produce something for God. He's equipped me to do it. I'm going to put my hand to something and watch that thing grow rather than waiting on somebody else to come and give me a breakthrough. Amen. 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 Come on, somebody. Step number four. Is this helping anybody today? I know this is more practical, but sometimes you've got to have practical things in life to apply. Amen. Step number four, learn to calm down. I'm learning this one. No, in the sense of you get so worked up. People get worked up. You have to learn that feelings will not always be on your side. They just aren't. Great people of faith can wake up and feel awful but stay consistent because they are not led by their feelings. You can feel what you want to feel, flesh. But get over it because I am living by the Spirit. And I will be obedient to what God has called me to do. You cannot distract me. You can have your little heyday. You can have your sniffles, whatever, which I believe in divine health. If I even feel the slightest thing, I'm like, no. No, in Jesus' name. I believe that health is for every single child of God. Amen? you got to fight for these things because the enemy wants to take you out. But you've got to realize, calm down. And I use the example of when Elijah was on the mountaintop. And everybody loves these great moments in life where he had prayed where no one was watching for three and a half years. And it came down to a showdown moment when the whole nation was watching. And he called fire down and rain came. And it turned a nation's heart back to God. You would think that because of this great moment, 
Elijah would celebrate for many years, but he didn't. He went straight from a high moment straight to a low moment when he found out Jezebel was coming to kill him. How are you worried about Jezebel when you just stood on a mountaintop against 700 prophets of Baal or whatever, however many there were, and called fire down? The same God that answered there is the same God that will deal with Jezebel. But Elijah was terrified. He was worried. He was stressed out. Everything was coming against him. He sat under a tree and he complained to the Lord. And then what happened? The Lord came and he gave him sustenance from an angel and he took him 40 days away from his problem. Learn that when I say calm down, things will arise that put pressure on you to act like you need to respond to them. You, the kingdom of God is not a responsive kingdom. It is, a re, it is not a reactive kingdom. It is a proactive kingdom. So the enemy wants you to be distracted. He wants you to come and deal with this. He wants you to worry about this thing you were never even thinking about. He wants to rise this thing up, this unexpected thing, that unexpected thing. Stay focused on what God told you to do. You can hop, you can puff, but I am focused on what the Lord said to, for me to do. And the angels of God are all around me, so I will be protected, and this thing will turn around in the name of Jesus Christ. Learn to let the calmness of God... And that understand when people give you a deadline, deadlines from the world are not God's deadlines. Come on. Deadline. If you listen to the deadlines of the world, then you are the person that says that God doesn't come in the midnight hour. He came two hours late. Because God doesn't respond to the deadlines of this world. Our God is not sitting up there looking at his clock. Yeah, I guess I better do something for him. He responds to faith. Responds to action from his people. So learn to stay calm. Enemies will huff and puff and rear their head. Self-doubt. Low self-esteem. Anybody in here that goes after anything, you will have moments when you feel low self-esteem. Unqualified for where you find yourself at. And if you entertain that long enough, you will pull yourself right out of what you were supposed to do. You have to push past these things. Learn to stay calm. Let the Lord deal with it. And when God took Elijah away from his problem, the Lord did not say to Elijah, I'm going to fix your problem and this is how I'm going to fix it. The Lord ignored the problem altogether. And he simply told Elijah two steps to build legacy in his life. This is what you're going to do, Elijah. You've been faithful. So now you are going to anoint a brand new king because Ahab's days are counted and over. Then you're going to anoint Elijah as the prophet to come in your place because I'm going to take you straight up in a whirlwind in the glory because you've been faithful. Come on, somebody. And so the Lord didn't even care about Jezebel in the sense of his communication with Elijah because God was already dealing with Jezebel for Elijah. So when I say calm down, realize problems do not always have to be met by you. Some of them will work themselves out. Plus... If you just take life, okay, you're focused on something, bro, your toilet's going to back up, your bathtub's going to break, this, somebody's going to drive through and rip a cable off your house, it happened to Tony, happened to the church this week, we're out here working, trying to get the parking ready for Sunday, someone walks around the building, hey, hope those cables don't matter, just ripped them off, oh, don't worry about it, we have all the time in the world to fix this. That's exactly how it goes. And you let that, like everything pull you aside, then you get so distracted from the main mission, the main mission goes dormant. And the enemy has you chasing your tail 
running around the mountain because you feel the stress. Stress is never something you're supposed to act from. If you feel stressed about something, take a nap. Amen? I remember one time, and, and I, I share this openly. I have a great father-in-law. We have an awesome relationship. My dad has passed away and in the heaven. All my granddads are gone. The only patriarch I have left on this earth is my father-in-law. And he's been a great father-in-law. Welcomed me in as a son. When, we first, when I first married Kirsten, um, I'm, I'm, like, I'm not like a dominant personality, I don't think. But I'm a strong person. And I have strong convictions. And so does he. And when those convictions don't line up, what happens? You know what I'm saying? Anybody, you, you following me. This is not like people are evil. You just, this is the way it is. This is the way it is. And there was a time when somebody came to me and said, he said this about you. And I was like, he said what? And it, like, I mean, I could feel my blood boil. And I'm like, that's, and so I was going to call and just rip him, you know, and it's my father-in-law, but it, oh, I'm a man. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so I pulled out my phone and I'm about to press dial and the Holy Spirit says, Caleb, what are you doing? And I was like, righteous things, <laughs> you know. And the Lord, the Holy Spirit simply said to me, what will be the fruit of this phone call? What are we talking about? We're talking about fruit. And I was like, I guess I'll guess division, strife, a butting of heads. And he says, is that of me? And I was like, no, but it feels good sometimes. You know? And it totally calmed me down. And I didn't pick up the phone. And I didn't make the call. And you know what happened? Come to find out the Yahoo that came to me that said he said that was a total liar seeking to stir up strife in the family that made the whole thing up hoping to cause damage. The enemy is a liar. You know the Bible says he's the father of lies. God hates liars. God is not a person that lies. If he utters something to you, he will never lie to you. If he spoke something to you on the carpet and it was 20 years ago and you're like, is that ever going to happen? If God said it's going to happen... He is not a man that he should lie. I don't care if a thousand people try and convince you other ways. Let every man be a liar, but not my father in heaven. He cannot lie. He does not lie. He is not a liar. So may my character be like my dad's character. And may I live like my father wants me to live. The enemy is a liar, and he uses lies. The Bible says he's also the accuser of the brethren. He labels accusations against you. If you were a person of faith, you would do this. If you were a great preacher, you would do this. If you were an awesome business owner, you would have this. If you were really blessed, you would have a brand new Mercedes Benz. And then you go get it and you're like, dang, these payments suck. <laughs> you learn a lesson and people are like, I can't believe he said suck from a pulpit. I know, it's probably not the last time I'll say something <laughs> questionable in my life. Sometimes you got to say it in ways that we understand. <laughs> the enemy's a liar. He's an accuser. He comes to manipulate. He comes to get you worked up, get you riled up, 
get you furious so that you respond in the spirit he wants you to respond in. But you have the fruit of the spirit on the inside. You can keep yourself clear, level-headed, and keep going forward. Calm down sometimes. When you're worked up, you don't have to correct things immediately. Learn to calm yourself down. Go let the joy of the Lord and the peace of God come upon you. And then if there is still an issue, deal with it from a place of victory and joy rather than a place of anger and frustration. Is that okay? Learn to listen to the whisper of the Spirit. Fifth step, enjoy life. Too many people, and I believe in vision, I believe in dreams, and I've told, I told you, I have to have something I go after or I actually get a little miserable and worked up. I'm like, what's it all about? I have to go after something. And I tell people, God has given you a measure of faith. You should be applying faith. You should be applying faith for what needs to happen in this nation, what needs to happen in your family, what needs to happen personally in your life. You should have your faith applied to something or else what good is that faith? If it's not going after something. But a lot of people, they get in their mind that they will be happy when they get this. Pastor Caleb, I'm telling you, when we get, if we could just get 200 200 uh, monthly supporters for the ministry. At that point, I just feel like everything will break. Pastor Caleb, if I could just get, I just need 10, 10 more things, this, and, and then everything's going to happen. Pastor Caleb, if I could just marry a supermodel, I'm telling you, everything would fall in line from there. Pastor Caleb, if I had a million dollars, I would give you $100,000 to the church. Well, praise God, that means you're a tither. Right? Which means you gave to the Lord what was owed to the Lord. It's not giving it to me. But people are like, it's always in the future, the thing, when the, and the wind, and the alignment, and that, and this, and then, then, then you'll see that I am finally arrived. Forget that. You arrived the day the Spirit of God came on the inside of you and bought, bought you and gave you a brand new lease on life. If you get in your mind something which is measurable in the world's terms is going to give you joy, then you don't even understand joy. This world is empty, baby. This world is empty. It does not and cannot fuel itself. You need God on the inside to give you joy. And you say, I'm miserable because I'm single, but one day I'll get married and I'll be joyful. You will get married miserable. And you'll make another good person miserable because you're a cranky, sour pants. Get joy now. Philippians 4.4. Always be full of joy. I say it again, rejoice. Learn to be joyful. Crack jokes. Laugh at yourself. If it looks like the world is ending, at least let a good meme be created from it. To spread joy. Amen. We're going to have to face the things we face every day. You might as well learn to do it laughing. And you say, but what if it's as bad as they say it is? Then we will get to heaven out of here and you will be full of ecstatic joy forevermore. Amen. Don't let the enemy fill your life with depression or make you feel like there's no reason to rejoice right now until you acquire the set thing. It's never about the set thing. It's learning that in the journey and in the process and in the every day of your life, whether they're big days or small days, people are like, man, I want big purpose. Some days your purpose is as, as, as small as just enjoying the people that God has placed in your life. 
Sometimes you got to recognize, you know what, I don't have to take a mountain every day. And that's step number two, or step number six, slow down. Learn to slow down from time to time and take in the beauty of what God has already given to you. If you count it your blessings, as we say in the South, if I count my blessings, I can't count that high. Amen? Every day is a blessing. What are you talking about? He has blessed you with every spiritual blessing there is to give has been given freely to you. Amen? Learn to slow down and realize, yes, you have to capture today. And that's why I said some of these seem contradictory. But sometimes you've been running so hard and working so hard and plowing and plowing and plowing that you've got to learn to slow down, take a step back, and look at the birds flying in the air, the green trees around you, the blue sky above you, let the sun wash on you, listen to the waves roll in at Cocoa Beach, go body surfing, and eat a hot dog on the beach because you may be making someone's dream come true. You have to learn to unplug. People don't do this. They're like fighting, fighting, gearing, gearing, warring, 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 and then their kids. It's like that sad, miserable song. What is that? Uh, the man in the moon and the silver spoon. Little boy blue. What? Yeah, yeah. It's like, when you're coming home, son, I don't know when. But we'll get together then. You know, we'll have a good time. What a horrible way. People are like driving down the road, jamming to it. Like, burn that CD. It's like, I'm never going to be little boy blue and the man in the... I'm going to live... My life so that today is a joyous day. I'm going to thank God for the things that I do have. When I was doing the hot dog cart business, uh, it was like things were going south pretty quick. Let's be honest here. <laughs> Takes a lot of hot dog sales to support a family. I didn't really do the math well, but that's, don't judge. You're not good at math either. And uh, my transmission blows up in my truck. So now it's going to take a week to replace the transmission. And like I could feel the heaviness coming on me. Oh my gosh. I've lost all my money. i got to replace the transmission. It's going to take a week. What am I going to do? And then I shook it off and I said, well, we are in Hawaii. So I went and rented a car for like 200 bucks, some little Nissan Sentra. And we spent the week going to every beach we could find in Oahu, going mountain climbing and everything like that. And looking back on Hawaii still to this day, even though I failed, I have a, 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 a happy and joyous memory about the whole thing. Even though everything tanked. I mean, it was like, you would have, if you looked from the outside, you'd be like, he's cursed. <laughs> Do not buy his hot dog or it will come off on you. That, ju that juju gets on you, bro. But I was having the time of my life. Have nothing to do. We're like, we're eating bare minimum PB and J's, bro. But PB and J's are good. Canned tuna is delicious. You don't always have to have a filet mignon. Sometimes you just need the PB and J and a beach in Maui and a little Nissan Sentra and a little kid eating sand to know that everything's going to be all right. And sand helps clean them out from the inside, I hope. That's what we told ourselves in the moment. And watch this, slowing down, because it's like you gear up for the battle, and you're always in this fight. Remember when the Lord, when we expanded this, the Lord said, go into this weekend and just celebrate the win. Sometimes the Lord rewards you, and you don't even stop to celebrate it, and you actually get so burnt out, because you're always in the fight, that you lose sight of the rewards that have already been given to you. And when David was anointed to be king, 
His moment wasn't in the field, even though he was anointed there. God had planned a moment for him to be revealed to a nation. And that plan was Goliath would present himself as a champion to go to war. And Goliath, if you've read the word, did not do this one day, two days, three days, four days. The Bible says for 40 days, Goliath kept presenting himself. Because what Israel didn't know, and even Goliath didn't know, and probably David didn't even know, is that if it took 365 days for David to find himself on that field, God was going to hold Goliath at this place of merely taunting. Goliath never had any power to take out the army of the living God. So all the days, all the, every day, he marched himself out there. He was cocky. He was puffed up. He would complain or shout and challenge. But until... David showed up, nothing was going to advance from there. You say, can I take a break from time to time? Yes, and you will find out it will not unravel in your life if you learn to decompress from time to time. I have to always have something in faith that I'm believing for, and I work best when I have a vacation book that I'm working towards too. You want to see me at my best? Let me believe God for something and have this planned in the future to get away and decompress. Then I'm like, woo, every day we taking giants, baby. Because I know that that day is coming when I'm just going to not take a giant. And I'm just going to sit somewhere in the goodness of my father. It's like Jesus is holding me right now. <laughs> you got to learn to love that. Amen. Slow down from time to time. When I was a, an, uh, a teenager, I was... Not what we would label a believer. We would probably label it as an infidel or a heathen. And so I did not live right. Got arrested a few times and they, they took my driver's license from me. And so I'm like 17, 18, whatever. I don't have a driver's license, but I have a vehicle. And I'm like, I'm not really going to tell my parents that I can't drive, I'm just going to drive. So for three years of my life, I drove illegally. Do not write this down as life hacks. I'm going somewhere with this. My wife's always like, you really need a disclaimer when you talk about your previous life because people are like taking notes sometimes. You know? But I was, I, was, I, I was borrowing my dad's minivan actually at this time, and it was the ugliest minivan ever. And I'm at a red light when this Mustang pulls up beside me. And the Mustang starts revving the engine. <laughs> now, I, I mean, I'm not here to pick on someone's character. But you're in a Mustang and you're revving an engine at a minivan. <laughs> like, how tough and how cool actually are you? <laughs> you down there, bro. But he's like, woo, woo, woo. And I remember the light turns green. He's like, Bleh! and I'm like, because I, I don't have a driver's license, bro. I ain't peeling out nowhere. I'm driving. I still to this day drive like a grandpa on a Sunday afternoon because in my formative years as a teenager, I was just like, mm -hmm. I get the best gas mileage of anybody around. I'm never in a hurry. We'll get there when we get there. Chill out. Why are you in a rush? So I'm just casually driving, and we get two red lights up, and I look over, and there's the Mustang. All he did was speed forward to stop at the light sooner. And I put it in neutral, and I was like, wang, 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 wang. 
don't mess with the minivan. We may not get there as soon, but we will get there. And the moral of the story was people get in such a rush and they wind up rushing to wait. And you just get there at the same time. And you feel a lot better and you burned way less gas. You didn't have to replace your tires. And you could fit more people in the car. So you actually brought more people on the journey than they ever brought in their little fancy Mustang. And if you drive a Mustang, I'm not, I love Mustangs. It's a proverbial story here, people. But learn to slow down from time to time and take in the beauty of life. You want to be successful, understand you can't run flat out and not be rewarded and not take a break and not reboot from time to time. You'll burn yourself out. And then when you burn yourself out, then you get cranky, then you get upset, then you're mean to people, then you make horrible decisions. No one here has ever made a stressed out, tired decision. And then you look back and you're like, Oh, yeah, that's going to bite for six years. <laughs> Great job, Caleb. We all do it. So you learn sometimes you just got to know, I'm not making a decision right now. I am not in a place to make a long-term decision. People make long-term decisions when things feel tough. That is never the place to make a long-term decision. Make long-term decisions from a place of victory and vision and that alone. Amen? Is this helping anybody? Stress people. Stress out people. Hurt people hurt people. So learn to slow down in life to recover. It's one thing to jump and another thing to learn to run the race. That's good. Sometimes people will jump with all they got and then they're in the race and they're like, this is a lot longer than I thought. You're in an ultra marathon and you didn't train for the ultra marathon. You're going to have to stop and take a break. From time to time. Lastly, the last step to success is live your life serving God and others. And not just yourself. If you live your life serving just yourself, you will find out that if you only try and build yourself up, you will always be empty. There's no refueling for a person. The Bible says a generous person will live from his gener generosity and those who refresh others will they themselves be refreshed. Learn to live and serve other people. Serve God. Live to encourage other people. And then you will turn around and the blessings of God will overtake you. Jesus was the highest that has ever walked on the earth. The King of kings, the Lord of lords. And what did he do when he was on the earth? He stopped and washed the dirty feet of the people that followed him. Be like Jesus. Learn to serve other people. What can you help another person accomplish? What, is it so hard for us from time to time to take the time and the break, a little bit of money, and just bless someone with a lunch and encourage them or take them out? And I've, I've trained myself, and some of you have been the recipient of this, when I hear people go out in faith to do something. I'm going to write a book for the first time, or I'm going to do this, I'm going to launch in the ministry. I regularly sow financially into that right at the start. And I do that because I realize that number one, when you step out in faith, oftentimes you will be met by opposition. Where the enemy wants to discourage you right out the gate so that he stops you before you accomplish something. And I would rather be a believer that encourages you right out the gate so that when the opposition comes, you can say, no, the Lord is with me. Amen. And it's worth whatever it takes to do that. Live to encourage another person. Refresh others and you yourself will be refreshed. People live their whole lives 
willing to sell everybody out just to make something to build numero uno up. And they will find themselves empty, lonely, and depressed, even though they amassed something that they thought mattered in their life. But the people that are joyous are the ones that realize the true value of a life is never found in my possessions or in my bank account. It's in the wealth of the family and the riches of the relationships that I have on this earth because people love me and I love people. Amen? Amen? And you can't fill yourself up all the time. Money, possessions don't actually fill the void in your life. What fills it is the presence of the Lord. So if you live your life saying, God, I will serve you all the days of my life. I'll go where you want me to go and I'll be what you've called me to be. You'll find out that in that, what does it say? Those who delights themselves in the Lord, he will give you the desires of your heart. Come on, somebody. Learn to live for God and let God, man, I'm serving you all the days of my life. And then you will have the wildest, most wonderful things happen to you because your Father in heaven loves you so much and will reward you in such a way. Amen? Amen. And as I started, God blesses you just because he's your dad and he loves you. But beyond that, there is no greater joy, really, I think, than being a person that is able to encourage another person and walk them through something and see the fruit of their life coming back to a place of victory. Amen. Who in here, the Lord has ever used you to be an encourager in somebody else's life. And you saw the turnaround. I've shared this multiple times, but it's very real to me. Is that when I went to Bible college in Tampa, Florida, I came from Nashville, Tennessee. And it was a small church I came from. There were 60 of us there. A bunch of young kids. We were on fire for God. Radical. Just I mean, and I wound up going to Bible school of a church of 1,500, 1,600, actually, in fact, 3,000 people because they had two services. So it was thousands. And one day I walk out of church and a woman's cussing, using cuss words, this effing place and stuff, and throws her Bible on the ground. I mean, she was irate, stomps her Bible and just walks off. And I grab the Bible. And obviously at this point, I don't know this person. This is a mega church. I'm not even a member of this church. But I see this, and I ran, and I grabbed her Bible, and I ran right up to the woman, and I said, ma'am, I don't know what's going on in your life, and I don't know, you know what you're feeling right now, but I'm here to tell you that I love you, and that Jesus loves you, and there's a great plan for your life. I believe that with all of my heart. And she said, well, I've been coming to this church for years. Nobody even knows my name. Nobody cares who I am. I'm just a person in the crowd to them. And I said, but I know who you are now, because I've came and I met you. What's your name? She tells me her name. And I said, well, my name's Caleb. And I walk all the way around the building, pouring, just encouraging word into encouraging word. God's going to do great things in your life. Who cares what other people think? You're not living for them anyways. You're living for the Lord, and he's the one that placed you here. And by the time we get around to her car, I remember the whole car was full of people. It was a van. All the kids were looking at me. The husband's looking at me. She gets in, and I hand her her Bible, and she grabs her Bible. She got tears in her eyes, and she said, thank you. Thank you for taking the time to talk to me. I really needed that today. And they drove off. I then went back to Tennessee, moved, came down to Bible school, watched that family blossom in the church. They started serving in every serve team. And when I was in my third year of Bible college, that entire church was prayed over and launched out to start a church in Minnesota where they were originally from. And you look at that, I sat there and nobody knew. And it doesn't matter because if you're living for everybody to know who you are, forget that. Nobody knew except for that woman and me that there was a time when she was cussing mad and would have been drawn off in a place of anger and 
totally taken out by the enemy. And I didn't give her money. I didn't have money. I wasn't a, I wasn't a pastor with a title. I wasn't a member of the church. All I was was a believer that actually cared. As the saying goes, people don't care how much you know. They want to know how much you care. So do you care? Live and serve other people. And then in that, you'll find out very quickly. And I, and I challenge you with this. Many people talk about burnout. You can get burnout if you don't learn how to rest and discipline yourself. But burnout sometimes is just an expression used when a person takes their attention from helping others and they put it on themselves. And then they're like, they get angry. Well, I've given all of this and what has ever came back to me. Stay faithful. Never grow weary in doing good. For God will not be mocked. Whatever a man sows, that and that only will he reap. So if you are sowing into good things and sowing into the kingdom of God and sowing into other people, you guess what? When you need it, it will come back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Do you believe it? Say amen. Thanks for listening to the River Claremont Podcast. If you'd like to partner with us in seeing lives touched and changed by the love and power of Jesus, you can give online at www.riverclaremont.com. Your prayers and financial support are changing lives.